bad pods, bad pods. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they pod for you? Hmm. I have to work on that one. Hello, pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest in our series of Spoiler Special Podcasts. This one is dedicated to the third and latest entry in a franchise that had lain dormant for close to two decades. Yes, it's Bad Boys for Life. And if you are surprised that this is getting the Spoiler Special treatment, then imagine my surprise when I went along to see this movie at a January press screening, expecting the very worst and came away jubilant, having watched an absolutely belting action thriller that doesn't skimp on the bangs or the banter between Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, but which also has the temerity to explore interesting themes like ageing, fatherhood, and, in the passages where Smith's bulletproof Mike Lowry is made all too vulnerable and none too bulletproof, the nature of heroism in movies just like this. I ruddy loved it, and I wrote the four-star Empire review. For my money... It's the best of the Bad Boys trilogy by far. And yes, you could argue that that's a low bar, but I will choose to ignore your sarcasm. Frankly had his directors, the Belgian duo of Adil LRB and Bilal Falah, credited as Adil and Bilal, come to London in January for press. You'd have had this spoiler special a lot earlier. But as we're now doing interviews in lockdown, with the movie finally out now on DVD and Blu-ray and digital and 4K and all that jazz... I jumped at the chance to leap on the Squadcast and have a natter with them about the movie's major twists. And it does have major twists, huge deaths, and it does have huge deaths, and their thematic preoccupations. Oh, we talked a little bit about one of the lines of the year so far. You know the one. The one about fucking a married witch. Oops. Spoiler. Anyway, speaking of spoilers, this is a spoiler special. So if you haven't seen Bad Boys for Life, then just stop listening right now. Go and see the film and then come back. Unless, of course, you're one of those weirdos who just gets off on spoilers, in which case, listen away. Who am I to judge? And of course, if you have seen Bad Boys for Life, then also do listen away. Uh, This is one of those rare Empire spoiler specials where Team Empire is not weighing in. So there won't be a bit with the team and myself discussing the movie. This is just the interview with myself, Adil and Bilal who were talking to me from their separate homes. They were on lockdown too, in Belgium. And they were enormous fun. Chatty, warm, funny. They're welcome back in the podcast anytime. Quick note, this was one of our very first interviews conducted across Squadcast when we were still getting used to the technology. And um, as a result, I think there are some sound issues on a deal in particular. His should be the first voice you hear besides mine. But hopefully you will get past that. Hopefully it won't bother you too much. And hopefully you'll be able to focus on the interview, which is interesting, engrossing, and a lot of fun. So here we go. It's me talking to Adil and Bilal. Bad boys for life. Directors for life. Enjoy. Delighted to be joined on this belated but better late than never Bad Boys for Life spoiler special by the film's directors Adil and Bilal. How are you both? We're good. Hi, good. Thank you for having us. So now we get the chance to delve deep into this film. And uh, in any spoiler special we do, I like to start with the big question, the question that's on everybody's lips. And I have to ask about the Michael Bay cameo. (laughs) (laughs) It's a classic. (laughs) Who, what? One of the things I love about it is that when he appears... He doesn't introduce himself, so only a few people in the audience will get it that it's Michael Bay. But also you guys swoop the camera around him in a very Michael Bay style. Uh, whose idea was that? <laughs> yeah, and how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. No, we have to have him. We have to have Michael Bay. <laughs> it's 
some of the crew were joking like when he comes we will not be there because of the experience of him yelling but he was super <laughs> sweet so <laughs> so yeah on that day there were you know the whole crew worked with a lot of the crew worked with michael bates so they were telling me stories that you know he's he's yelling a lot so me and adil were I mean, especially Dill was super scared. It was like, oh, shit, he's going to fuck up this, uh, you know? So, yeah, he came on the set and he was kind of like, it was super nice, super nice guy. And, and when we said action, uh, we didn't have to do anything. It's like, like Michael, he directed his own shot. So I was like, lay back and just enjoy the show. <laughs> it was really, really awesome. Just at the end of the day, he said to, uh, he said to me, uh, don't fuck up my baby. And I said, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's calmed down over the years. I think he, he doesn't he doesn't shout as much anymore. I think having a having a few million dollars in the bank will do that to a person. It it just just calms you right down. Really does. The film itself is I have to say, whenever because you're eighteen years on after the last movie, pretty much, seventeen, eighteen years on after the last film. And uh the film to be my surprise, uh, not because not just because it it feels it feels like a bad boys movie, which is which is great, but also there was something about the thematic approach as well, which really took me by surprise. You know, this is a movie that isn't afraid to tackle the idea that it's you know leading men are getting older. In fact, you know, Mike's whole story is about that is about him no longer being bulletproof Mike and about feeling vulnerable and and facing up to his to his uh to his you know and fancy in years is that something that you guys brought to it when you when you came on board well it was uh, already in the, in the screenplay you had these elements uh, of that already in it but i think that one of the reasons also we we got the job if you compare to the movies we did in belgium where we really delved deep into thematics and and the characters and the evolution and uh, and when we were discussing the movie with will who is also one of the producers of the movie will his whole thing was it it was a, it needed to have an arc you know it needed to to tell something that it's not just a copy of the two other movies but it was you know the thematic of what it means to be older which is the case also for these actors for Will and for Martin and um and basically his his idea was uh, the theme of the movies adapt or die that was basically the thing grow or die and uh, and that is what was very appealing to us uh, as as a filmmakers because it's a sequel it's an action comedy but at the same time if you could like go deeper into these characters that, that made us as filmmakers uh, uh, a, more, a more interesting project for us. This, the same thing, the same thing appealed to you, I guess? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's ex exactly the same thing. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> just, at the end of every answer, just one of you go, what he said. <laughs> That's fine. But it's, it's, it's baked into the movie. I mean, uh, it's right there from the beginning. You know, literally the, the film begins with Marcus becoming a granddad. And it, it begins with Mike running away from the idea of being a dad, unaware, of course, that he, he already is. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, the fab, the family theme, which a lot of people then compare to the Fast and Furious movies. But the, actually, it is there is some similarities in it. But the Fast and Furious movies, they 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 came before because of Bad Boys movies. You know, it's Bad Boys One, Bad Boys Two, especially where family even became more important. That without Bad Boys Two, you would uh -huh. not have, I think, the Fast franchise in the same way. And at the same time, it was a yeah. personal story for us because me and Bilal, we are dual directors and. Sometimes there's conflicting shit, you know? So sometimes you want to go two different directions or the same thing, and it's, it's, that's why we related to that dynamic. Okay, that's interesting. That's why, why we really wanted to have also, like, uh, the, 
the real daughter from the the previous bad boys and reggie so you feel like oh you see these guys the family that grew up and they're still there so you you still have that family team in yeah so you get that sense of continuity as well one of the things that this movie does which is really great is that it establishes a really credible threat to them right from the off. You know, you have that prison break sequence with, uh, with Isabel, you know, kicking all kinds of ass. And then the int- introduction of Armando and you get the sense, you know, I remember watching this for the first time and thinking, Oh, this guy's going to be pretty hard to handle. Um, uh, can you, t- can you talk about that, about, about making sure that the bad guys in this movie actually packed a punch? Yeah. But for us, it was really important that, uh, yeah, that, that the bad guys are memorable. That you you gotta gotta feel the threat. You gotta feel you gotta feel the danger, and which you know if you look at all the you know if you look at, at all the Jerry Bruckheimer movies from the '90s or you know the cops or uh, movies like Die Hard or, or Lethal Weapon, you know you, you felt you felt it was ground. It was real, and and for us having you know having that bad guy storyline that that gives that groundness and, and realness, you, you feel the danger more. And that's kind of a way to to, uh, to have that nostalgia from the 90s of, of, you know, those cop movies. The danger is real. And, and this triggers another kind of atmosphere to the whole movie, which also means that when there's humor, it's, it's not like broad, broad comedy humor. It's humor in the real world and in real life. And that is like a unique combination between the gritty, danger, uh, evil uh, bad guys that are really threatening. And at the same time, the humor and the... Where, where did you find Jacob? Yeah, that was true casting. <laughs> yeah, true casting. Uh, it was really his his character was really tough to to cast because at the same time, you know, he's playing the will of son, uh, the, the son of Will of Mike, but at the same time, you uh-huh. cannot see he's the son of Will. So <laughs> having you know, we did a really <laughs> profound you know casting searching, and he was just like from the start, he was like super interesting and. Um, and when we and when we we uh, did the casting with Will Smith, then and we saw them both together, we thought, okay, yeah, this is this is working. Yeah. This guy is. I don't I, I don't know what he did before. He did like short movies. He was not totally not known, so it was really a, as an actor a revelation. For mm. At the same time, you want to be able to forgive him for some reason, you know. So, so that was a very very tricky, <laughs> difficult part to cast and difficult part to play. But he's a he was a real soldier. Yeah, brother Jacob. Brother Jacob, for life. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's absolutely fantastic. And I, I have to ask, I mean, I'll, I'll jump right ahead to the end of the movie. Um, was he so good that you kept him alive? Uh, in other words, was was Armando meant to die at any point in the film? Well, there were there were there were a lot of versions of the ending. Actually, I think that every possible with, with the amount of ending that were written and eventually also shot, we could have done, done like you know like Bandersnatch on Netflix. You know where you have multiple possibilities. You click. What if that happens? What if that happens? And uh, yeah, it, it was. I think that. You know, it was a possibility that he would die. And at the same time, when we did test audiences, the first version where he just lived, we, we, uh, we, we, the audience kept telling us that, you know, how likable and lovable he was, even though he was a bad guy. And, uh, and that, that triggered us that when we had some reshoots that we eventually had to do, that we, you know, we added here and there, we sprinkled some more Armando here and there because, because people <laughs> loved him so much. Yeah. 
So there, there is a version of this movie where he's stone cold yeah. dead. Yeah. Is there a version of this movie where everybody dies? It's just like full on peck apart. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> dies. Oh. Mike dies. Marcus dies. No, I, eventually, no. You still have the the good guys always always live, but everything everything was put everything, everything was, was put on the table. Can we talk about that now before we go backwards? I mean, yeah, can you talk me through some of the other iterations of, of the ending? Well, you, you had Isabella surviving. There was also a possibility. Uh, yeah, yeah. There was, there was Isabella surviving and Armando dying. There was obviously the one is now Armando living and Isabella dying. There was Armando and Isabella dying. There was, there was, there was, no, yeah, there was nobody dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and also and also another thing that was really really till the the last second of you know finishing the cut um we were doubting to put the the last scene in the movie the scene with uh will i mike visiting his son in the prison so that was in and out the whole uh -huh. time and, and nobody knew if we would you know have to put it in the movie or not the studio was like yeah you choose and then everybody was like <laughs> amazing Eventually, they all said, you decide to us. Yeah, yeah, you decide. They were like, oh, <laughs> shit, no. We still had like 10 minutes before we had to send it internationally and all that stuff. So, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and then in the last 10 minutes, we made a decision. Yeah, yeah. Nice. No, we had to because because the audience, when we, the, some audience members said, well, you know, it's obviously like a Marvel movie or you're trying to do a sequel and they didn't like it. So we got it out. But when we got it out, it's like, yeah, but there's no resolution with Armando. What happens to him? So, ah, shit, we have to put it in. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we flipped the coin. Yeah. That is amazing. That is amazing. Um, but you know, it does seem to set up a, a potential hint at what you might do. And if you guys are coming back for Bad Boys 4, I, I don't know whether that's uh, confirmed or not, but it's, there's certainly interesting nods to the future. Um, one of the, one of the interesting things I noticed, uh, is that, um, neither Mike nor Marcus kill either of the bad guys, which is really unusual for a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Here it's it's Rita who gets to kill Isabel, yeah. uh, which mm -hmm. I thought was really interesting. Yeah, it was it was uh, there was also multiple versions of that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there were. <laughs> I'm sure there were. But uh, I mean, I, even though in both versions, I think I think it, there was never a version when where uh, the both with where either Michael Marcus killed the the bad guys. That was never the the case. So so it was, I, yeah, it was it was always going to be. Something without them two doing it, um, because there was uh, we wanted obviously it's it's an homage to these movies of the 90s and of course the sequel to the other movies, but there was something where we tried to do something a little bit more fresh or more new where where the expected thing would be Mike and Marcus either together or one of them would would kill the person and that was like a a way of changing that fact in the end and um, and that Rita character was such a cool character that we you know you yeah. you tried to set her up the whole movie and establish her the whole movie so so uh when she said i'm gonna shoot her myself it just felt you know like okay logical foreshadowing she needs to do that you know and it, and it was it felt you know for us and for for will and martin and also jared Bruckheimer and and even you know sony there there was something very refreshing in having the woman saving the bad boys you know so yeah. at the very last and she she's also one of the few people who gets to call mike out on his his bullshit as well you know and that you know this kind of this sort of this this death wish that he has when he's desperately chasing down armando she gets to look him in the eye and tell him what's what which i thought was really cool 
Yeah, well, we like we like the fact that that conflict between uh, the conflict between uh, uh, Mike and and uh, Rita is that that Rita wants to do her job like the rules and do it in a good way and without having casualties or to use as much uh, much violence and and that's the thing that Mike always had that violence uh, in him should without thinking should and and ask questions later and that is a conflict that which which. I think uh, Mike finally uh, recognizes that he has that problem with violence, and 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 Rita is is that character that that inside of the police department has a total different philosophy of that, and tries basically to save uh, besides of saving his life, his life saving his soul. You know that that's the whole thing. Everybody tries to to bring him on the save right Mike's path. Soul. Yeah. Penetrate his mm. heart with their soul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned there that uh, test audiences, you know, they wanted to, they wanted to kind of forgive Armando all his little indiscretions, and it's uh, <laughs> an interesting phrase, um, which is which is an interesting way of, of putting it because he's responsible for a lot of carnage in this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. he straight up kills Joey Pants. Yes. What's What's going on with that? I mean, did you are you surprised that audiences were so willing to forgive in a way? Well, it was it was um, it was a, a good surprise. I mean, we had plans for that, but it was when we were reading the screenplay the first first time that yeah, Captain Howard dies, and we were like, oh shit, he's oh, dying! Yeah. So that was like, oh, yeah. oh my <laughs> god, I can't believe shock. that. I was in shock, and then a couple of pages later. Armando is his son. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, what's gonna happen next? And and then to, in the end of the, the like the fast the last few pages of the screenplay, it was it was like a kind of forgiving thing. And and I mean, uh, you know, you, Armando didn't die, or you had the feeling that Mike and Armando want to go, become close to each other. And that is when, when we said to Will and the producer, okay, we can try to direct it, but this is a scene where we're going to, you know, when we show it to the audience, we're going to look back and think, did they buy it? <laughs> because, <laughs> because he killed Captain Howard. And, and it's only like 20 minutes apart, you know, those two moments. Because everybody cried when Captain Howard died. Everybody was in shock. And, and that was interesting to see how, you know, how forgiving the audience were. But he was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I mean it's it's a big moment. It's it's a it's a big moment in these movies because you know I was so glad to see uh, Joe Pantoliano back or Joey Pants as uh, as we know him and uh, we were so glad to see him back and he gets some great moments in this in this movie as well and then the the way that you guys misdirected it as well I thought was very interesting like he's actually behind. Mike, he's just walking away. Gunshot comes in, and he kind of just kind of goes. Ugh. There's no big histrionics, and he's just he's he's down. Can you talk about stage in that moment? Yeah, well, <laughs> we wanted to have that moment as unexpected as possible, so that you know that you uh, you have you know he's talking to Will on on the bleachers so when when the basketball is uh, playing and her his his grandson his uh, granddaughter is playing and. Actually, he wants to. Uh, what we really liked about that scene is that you really see him as as a father uh, towards Mike, and and I was really on. It's about Mike and him trying to save his soul too, and just when he walks away and gets shot, it's just so unexpected. 
which we don't want it to like revelate. We don't want to put the music or danger or anything. Just have that moment of them two, and that's the end. That's that's where his his story ends. And uh, yeah, uh, how did Joey Pants take it? <laughs> you want to say I I come back as a ghost? So you want to <laughs> it was always it was always talking to the screenwriters to us. Hey, I have a way. Maybe we can, you know, put me in the next movie still. <laughs> maybe I'm in, maybe I'm in coma and I survived. And it was a whole, you know, witness witness protection thing or whatever. It was it. No, no, Joey, Joey, you did. <laughs> I, yeah, I love Joey. Is is incredible. This is the sweetest yeah, guy ever, ever. ever. Sweetest guy. Oh man, that's 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 good to know. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's you see him shot, Joe. You get shot in the neck with a high powered rifle, and your <laughs> neck just disappears. You're 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 gone. You are gone. It's uh, yeah. it's a. Uh, it's, it's a real shame. It's, it's a man. real shame. But uh, it is interesting. I mean, Armando as well. I want to talk about the, the idea that he uh, he's um, Mike's son as well. But he shoots Mike at the beginning of the movie, and that's a real what the fuck moment as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was that always in the script? Was that something you guys you guys come up with? That was in the script. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that was one of the reasons that we were attracted to that project and felt like, okay, it's not just going to be a copy of the other two movies, but there is some, some difference in it. Yeah. It's, it's a great moment. And uh, the, um, we've talked about this a little bit, but the idea, the, the, the effect that it has on Mike and Marcus is really profound. You know, it sends Mike into a spiral. So you, you cut, you, you, you move the action on six months later. Um, I'm telling you guys like, like you don't know, but you move the action on six months later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and when he comes back, he's, he's just in this sort of downward spiral. He's filled with anger. He's filled with rage. And, uh, he feels, I don't know. Does he feel slighted by this, by the fact that his image, this bulletproof Mike image has been, has been destroyed? Is that, is that what drives him? Marcus, Martin, and yeah, no, we're old now. <laughs> you know, I'm a grandfather. We're not the bad boys anymore. The fact that he's vulnerable and vulnerable to the world makes that uh, that struggle, that fight even bigger. You know, how do you remain Mike Laurie when one, you're old, you're older than before. And secondly, you've been shot and you're weaker. And, it, you know, you're, you're not in the, you want to get back in the game or stay in the game. And it's uh, It's played on another level now. But yeah, it all comes to a head in that scene in the kitchen in Marcus's house yeah, where they have that, exactly. where they have the, the breakup scene, uh, essentially, you know, um, where, you know, Mike says that fool put holes in me and, and I would love Marcus's line. You're filling him with hate. And that's, that's kind of ultimately what this is about in a way, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that that scene is, uh, was one of my favorite scenes, but it, the two characters, it's it's about their friendship, and 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 the, the movie is about you know your ride or die, somebody who's got your back whenever, however, and at that point, uh, you know Mike, he's got shot, and he, you know, he expects that his best friend, his brother, is gonna be there and to revenge, and I think that 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 at the same time, Marcus. Uh, He's like, if you continue this way, you're gonna die, or somebody else around you is gonna die. This is, this bad is wrong, and and um, and that conflict, it shows that they have a total different vision about the future, about how they wanna 
treat their life. And that conflict is so intense that you feel that, uh, that, that they are both right, actually. In, in some way, you can, you can understand Mike, who's got shot, and he's like, yo, I'm, I'm, you have to help me out here. And at the same time, Marcus is like, this is not the way to do it. And he's also right. So this, that scene is really powerful. And it also leads to an interesting uh, turn, I guess, in the movie. In that, you know, Will and Martin aren't on that screen, aren't on screen together for a big chunk of the middle of the movie, uh, which is a pretty bold gambit to take in a bad boys movie to not have your bad boys be bad boys together. Was that was that something that you you thought about? It's like, oh God, what are we doing here? But that was a big, big stress. Um... That was also the most one of the most difficult parts of the movie to to uh, to, to do, um, because people expect you know it's like Mike and Marcus are one. You cannot have one without the other. If the other is not there, it's not a bad boys movie. So, um, to 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 but but at the same time we had to tell that story, and we thought if at the moment they're back again, then you you get that rush. Ah, they're back, and that's <laughs> then. <laughs> And then they're sitting in the in the old van, and then uh, <laughs> sitting there and you know bitching to each other. Yeah, so it's a good way to to show how how yeah how that how that uh, you know when they reunite how that feels like. When you when you do get the guys back together again, there's that great. I mean, it's probably the most Michael Bay-ish uh, action sequence in the movie, which is a great chase sequence where, you know, at the end of, you know, it goes from a car chase to them in this motorcycle sidecar combination. Now, uh, you guys, I, 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 do you know Wallace and Gromit? Have you? Uh, <laughs> sure. Okay, we, studied, we even, even studied Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> good, good. Excellent. Because that is, that is so Wallace and Gromit. I love it. <laughs> it's tremendous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, you have that um, in that chase. You have uh, there's two big two big moments I wanted to talk about in that chase. One is uh, Mike persuading <laughs> yeah. Marcus to fire the gun, which I thought was really funny. Um, can you talk about about? And then the other one is reveal that Armando is is Mike's son with a has to El Fuego. Uh, but can you talk about the Mike and Marcus machine gun bit first? I mean, was that you know was that something that that came easily? Well, it was. You know, there were several ideas, but during the editing uh, of the movie, well, we were we were missing this this comedy moment between between the two actors, the two characters, and um, and it, yeah, we were looking at it, and me and Bilal were thinking, hey, actually, it should be about so what's the, what is the scene about? What's the sequence about? But it's about that he needs to force you know, Marcus to shoot it. He doesn't want to do that because he made a promise to God. So. So the dialogue of that scene and that sequence actually came after we edited the first cut. Of- yeah, but to be honest, to be honest, <laughs> to be honest, our first cuts uh, were really based on the action. We were like, oh yeah, now we can do like Hollywood shit. So we were like doing a lot of that. There was a lot of action uh, gags that we, we cut out eventually because Jerry was like, guys, stop, focus on the characters. So, <laughs> and he was, he was right. It was right. It was right. <laughs> Clearly, whenever you guys first became attached to the project, the idea that Armando was Mike's son was already there in the script. But at the same time, knowing when to reveal that and knowing how to reveal it uh, is really interesting. And uh, the, the main revelation comes after that. But in the middle of that action sequence, you have this moment of of connection. You have this moment of of heart in a way. Can you can you talk about that? 
it was it was really a difficult way to to find that you know to to keep the reveal without but but still have a feeling you know like unconsciously you feel something so that moment for us the the first moment was the the look in the eyes when when they're when mike catches uh with the, yeah, helmet, with the yeah. helmet and it fights and you have that moment they look in the eyes and and we felt like that's the moment we can already hint on something for them also it's it's from the character it's it's like looking in the eyes but it, there is something off and um and then and then we, we try to like build it up to a certain point that when he's at the the the, the, the helicopter and he's looking and he's saying hasta fuego that's that felt like a big moment so we tried to do it in the way that you know cinematically in the way that you know the sound falls away they look and he's like now now you're dead now you're gonna die and 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 he, the, the mother told him to say just before he gets shot so our inspiration for for that little moment of hasta fuego was actually the lion king you know it was like it was <laughs> when when scar is over mufasa they look each other in the eyes like <gasps> so that is like uh, a, a little little homage or reference for this yes scene. yes i love this so so far you've got lion king and wallace and gromit uh is there anything else <laughs> yeah That's... well indiana jones <laughs> The last crusade absolutely you know and at the end you know where he's going let it go indiana maybe that's you know maybe that's him saying the same thing to to his son i don't know i'm just making this shit up <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but um what that scene leads on to is the revelation that mike and isabel were in love that she's the the, the one person that he's loved in his life apart from marcus of course um and it leads to uh, the line of the film, guys, which is Marcus said to Mike, Mike, you fucked a married witch. Yeah, the iconic line of uh, <laughs> of Marcus. It works so well because it was rehearsed and rehearsed and improvised and rehearsed again and again and again. Uh, and there's another cracking line in the plane. How do you how you fuck a witch without a condom later on, which is also also genius. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was I was actually watching when, when I was rewatching the film as well. I, I was noticing the um, the airplane the airplane scene and the reactions of the different passengers, you know, the different uh, day players. Um, and I was just thinking, God, you must have maybe you did like ten different takes of the guy's reaction. You know, when Mike says, "Do you want to switch seats?" He goes, and he goes, "Yep, immediately." And I imagine you did like ten different takes of that of him maybe going. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe yeah, playing yeah, it up a little the, bit. The thing is that that actor he was. So great, and and he he had played with Will before in another movie, I and mean, with Jerry Bruckheimer. So, so but this guy he was just great, and and he 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 was integral part of the scene, which means that you gotta you know you gotta focus on on all the day players that are next to you because the scene would not have worked uh, so well if we didn't have the perfect performance of all these guys. Uh, that were and every day giving us gems, basically. One of the one of the funniest moments in the film uh, also is the encounter with Jenkins, the accountant. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, that's the um, I'm going to penetrate his heart, his heart with my soul uh, scene. Uh, that's really funny. Was that was that also largely improved or how did he how did he do it? It was improvising, like you could say, three days. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. But so they come up, Will, Martin, everybody, the writers, we all come up with with an idea. Like, we need a comedy moment, guys. Okay, let's let's 
let's do it maybe there. And Will is basically playing all the parts. <laughs> and we're like cracking up and like, this is genius. <laughs> okay, we got two days to do this shit. <laughs> So, so Will, Will and Martin were improvising uh, at, the, in the, at the same time the guy is writing. We say, okay, what kind of location? Yeah, some fucked up apartment. Okay, location manager, go look on a, for an apartment. So we're scouting while they are writing. Okay, what kind of actors do we need? Okay, who's available? And one day before the shoot, hey, happy Anderson, do you have time to fly in for one day tomorrow? <laughs> There's no, yeah, so no time... Oh my god. Last minute, three or four days, there were barely time to rehearse. Jeez. But, you know, for me, that's also like the, the, the great, great moment of uh, what's so special about that, that dynamic between uh, Mike and, and Marcus. That Mike, and also the comedy between them and, and the tone of the movie is like, you can have a serious moment, but Marcus can always say something <laughs> and, and just and have that. You know that the humor and and the emotional stuff, how, how further away they are, how bigger the humor is, and and that's that magic that that Mike and 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 Marcus have, Will and Martin. And and although it's just you know it's a comedy scene, it, it's actually really the core of the movie. When you know when Ma Ma Mike when Marcus says I want to penetrate your soul with my heart, you know it's he's doing that at the end of the movie. That's when when Mike realizes that you know. Maybe I shouldn't use violence this time, you know. So that's how oh, it's unbelievable how uh, last minute. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really interesting. The idea at the end. I mean, I know I know you guys said that you went through different versions of the ending, but the idea that Mike refuses to fight Armando at the end, I thought was really uh, interesting. Was that something that you arrived at, kind of almost by trial and error, or was it was it always baked into the uh, the idea? Star Wars is also a big, big influence and reference to us. And it was kind of a Star Wars scene and Star Wars reveal all of that. So it was like a reverse Star Wars where Darth Vader doesn't want to, you know, doesn't want to do that. Or Luke Skywalker stops fighting Darth Vader. And, 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 and it, it just felt right, you know, that, that at the end, he, Mike, Mike Lowry learned something, learned something from Marcus and from the experience that he has. Mike, you you fucked a married sis. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're we're big. It would be our our you know when we try to get a job at Lucasfilm, we're gonna do that. Then you know, like, hey, we can make the new trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, guys, I, I get the sense that even though the movie's been in cinemas and it's done really, really well and it's about to come out on DVD, that you could still go and change things if you if you if you, if you have time. That you're still that you're still working on the movie. So if you want to stick that line in, you can absolutely do it. I won't charge. I won't charge. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see Isabel in a way as almost almost Sithy? Because it's really this is a really interesting idea that you know she does she is a witch and she does dabble in witchcraft and there's a slight supernatural edge to her. Voodoo stuff. La bruja, yeah. <laughs> that that made us that, that, for us that because she had that that made the bad guy you know different than what you mostly see and and. I know, you know, in we're we're originally from Morocco, <laughs> uh, and in, in my family, some of my aunties they are also into that, you know, uh, into that culture of superstitious uh, voodoo stuff. So I was like, yeah, it reminds me of that. It's just cool to, and it's also yeah. really a, a culture 
cultural thing that that's interesting to put in in such a big popcorn movie and and, and for us it was super important that la bruja was really had something a little bit more than just uh than just normal life you know yeah and and it's you know she's doing santa muerte which is really something of of mexico it really happens actually is a lot of people believe in that and they take it seriously and that just gave that bad guy bad the the, the nemesis kind of eerie feeling and, and we were always playing with okay how far we go in the supernatural stuff because it's still a bad boys movie so so it was interesting to play with that and of course for the end sequence where there was all the elements and the rain and the fire and all that that we really could be like okay let's go witchcraft all the way <laughs> <laughs> and now, now we got harry potter in the mix as well which is <laughs> yeah <laughs> I... We want to do sci-fi and fantasy, actually. That's what we want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why the hell not? And uh, it, it's, she's really interesting as well because uh, she's the rare bad guy who, not necessarily that she's right, but she has a point, so to speak. You know, she you know she has a, a real reason for wanting revenge on Mike. There's 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 nuance there. Yeah. Yeah. But- it, 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 all, everything made it more interesting and also more personal if you understand the motives of the bad guy and uh, it made it even more complex if there is some feeling of guilt for Mike Lowry and and uh, and and you understand also why Armando is in you know it's tricked into that whole manipulative uh, uh, atmosphere of of her because she well, yeah, she she got betrayed, and that's and because she was in love. So you can understand that this this revenge has been a long time coming, which which just made the whole movie more emotional and more personal. Um, which is different if it's just uh, uh, just, just purely a drug cartel leader, and she just don't want us to do it for the money or for power or whatever. I want to talk about ammo and bringing him into, into yeah, the script uh, again. Were they always in the script, and was the idea there to kind of you know, inject a little bit of new blood into yeah. uh, into this movie because the, the two lead guys. I don't know if you know, they're really old. <laughs> <laughs> they're like really, really old. But yeah, no, it, it, I think it was already in the script, right? Uh, the ammo. Yeah, it was. It was really the clash between old school and new school, and that was an interesting theme for us in the in the movie. And uh, and I think the biggest influence that we had to the the screenplay it was that a Rita character. It, it was there was not really the character that way. It was there was a love interest and there was a, a leader of the ammo team. But we felt it was it would be very uh, important if the, the the love interest character would be the leader of the ammo team. So that is like uh, the biggest influence where we had where Rita became the boss of the ammo team and it, it was more connected to the story. Uh, but it was really fun. I mean, all the characters of the ammo team have a, a facet of Mike and Marcus in them. So it's cool to to recognize that. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, to be honest, I was kind of afraid of the ammo characters because you know it's a bad boys movie and we love the bad boys and and we wanted to, to you know get deeper into their friendship. But from the moment we started to do the casting and we saw uh, yeah Alexander Ludwig and Charles Melton and Vanessa Hudgens, how they you know play those characters, we we started to really see what 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 the ammo can do and how fun they are and how charismatic and and. Which is also like you know reminders of you know they're from the same age as us and to see these new cops coming in and you have this legend Mike Lowry and to to have that clash of generations was was a good way to tell the story also about you know the the theme of getting older and and 
and it's just just fun to watch you know the the you know like the characters dissing dissing mike and uh, mike dissing charles melton and shit so we saw a lot of opportunity for for humor and we just love those guys and and so we thought yeah during making of the movies their their parts started to grow and started to have more um you know more more depth into it uh it's true and, and i think rita is fantastic as well i mean we talked a little bit about her but the idea that she's absolutely you know mike's equal and that she's the one who got away in a way for him and that you, you, there's there's resolution to that but at the same time you you don't she's not the love interest per se i would say exactly yeah it was uh i think that that we are the most proud of of our contribution to the screenplay by having that character great actress that played her paola nunez who was really fantastic when when we were when we were shooting the movie uh we were always joking about bad boys 4 uh because you just love those characters and it would be fucking awesome to see them again so what can you say about that are you guys attached to that is there, is anything happening well, yeah, we had some. Yeah, we were attached. We we're trying to uh, develop the script. Okay. You know, okay. When, when we did that scene one last time, we thought really it was one last time. Maybe it's going to be uh, one last, one more time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's bad boys for life. So, it's gonna, so if anybody got ideas, just send it uh, to us, you know? <laughs> I tell you what, that's that's an amazing day or, or a title or a tagline. If you just go "Bad Boys" one last one more time, I, I, <laughs> I think I think you I think you've hit upon it here. Listen, I'm not, I don't want to tell you how to do your jobs, but you should start "Bad Boys" uh, one last one more time. That's the official title now. You should start it with a, a musical number. You got you got Mike, you got Marcus, you got Rita, you got the ammo team, full blown. 200 extras, full-blown musical number, everyone's dancing, everyone's singing the song, they know the lyrics, I don't know the lyrics, don't ask me, but they know the lyrics. Then at the end of the song, they look up and there's a massive staircase. Yeah. Who's at the top of the staircase? The ghost of Captain Howard, played by Joey Pants. Yeah, yeah. Captain Howard! Beautiful, beautiful. That's your movie. Hey. I, got, I got goosebumps, well. brother. <laughs> this, hey, we're, we're, secretly, we're, we're musical fans. And this is really something we'd love to do. That's a great idea, man. It's a great idea. Like I said, Jerry Bruckheimer gets your idea and goes, what the fuck is this? <laughs> 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 fucking up my friend. <laughs> oh well it's uh, it's been a pleasure guys uh it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and uh uh yeah i just want to say adil and bilal thank you so much indeed for joining us thank you thank you brother and that was Adil and Bilal, and that is it for our Bad Boys for Life spoiler special. If you do want to hear what Team Empire has to say about the film, then let me know and I'll see what I can do. But I hope you enjoyed that interview regardless. Our next spoiler specials will be dropping next week, the first week of June 2020. It's going to be the long-awaited Jack Reacher spoiler special with Christopher McQuarrie. And that does have a bit where Team Empire is discussing the film. And quite frankly, it's taken us a while to get together to do it. In fact, we haven't done it yet, so I hope I'm not promising prematurely. But we're going to record that next week, and that should be up next week as well. Plus, you're also going to get the first of our series of Gangs of London spoiler specials, in which directors Gareth Evans and Corin Hardy will cover the first four episodes. Right, that's enough for me. I'm off to learn the lyrics to the rest of the Bad Boys song, because quite frankly, after that first chorus, I am in trouble. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye.